Is virginity real? Planned Parenthood in their sex education curriculum that young kids are learning from says no. I will tell you why that matters, why that is such a destructive lie. Also, the state of Idaho is moving forward with a bill that would bring the death penalty for heinous crimes against children. We've got all that and more as well as a very healthy dose of biblical encouragement for you today on this episode of Relatable. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. Hope everyone has had a great week so far. All right, lots to talk about today. This has been a big week in Relatable land. Uh, You probably have already listened to or watched my episode with Candace Cameron Bure, probably the most requested guest ever. She sat here on this couch. She was as sweet as... We all imagined her to be in person. She is really the real deal. And I just loved our conversation. I loved listening back to it. I found new encouragement in the things that she said that I didn't even catch when she was sitting here. And so go listen to it or watch it if you have not done so already. Um, Also, we had a Christian nutritionist on yesterday, and I saw a lot of you sharing that on Instagram. And so I'm glad you found that educational. I really did. Have I applied her principles to my life? Not quite yet, but that is something that I want to do that I'm going to try to do. Maybe we can try to do that together if you're not already. Um, And let's see. Another thing that I talked to you guys about is that we had our first episode of Debatable being filmed, and that was between a Catholic, Trent Horn, who is an apologist, and then Dr. James White, who probably describes himself as an apologist theologian as well. And they debated Protestantism and Catholicism. That will be out in a couple weeks, and that is exclusive to Blaze TV. TV subscribers. What's my promo code for Blaze TV? Do you know? Is it out? Okay, we don't know. We don't know. (laughs) We'll put it, if we figure it out, we'll put it in the description of this episode. You can go ahead and subscribe because we're going to be having lots of things uh, that are exclusive to Blaze TV subscribers this year. We've never really done that before on our show, but we want to offer that to you guys. And I know some people, there's there's always going to be people who are upset when we put something behind a paywall. Um, but the reason why it's important, the reason why it's important to make things, some content exclusive to subscribers is to protect ourselves from the censors. Hopefully not, but there could be a day when, especially election year, where YouTube, Instagram, even maybe X, where they really crack down on speech that they don't like. We talk about a lot of issues that are considered controversial in the world today, not just conservative politics, but also Christianity and what the Bible says about things, which is completely forbidden in the minds of the censors at these big tech companies. And so if you are subscribing to Blaze TV, you're protecting us and you're protecting yourself. 
from the thought police. You're still going to be able to access this controversial content. We're still going to be able to say it. And so that's why it's so important for us to build an audience on Blaze TV, for us to give unique content that's just for Blaze TV subscribers. It's not that we're not, you know, trying to, it's not like we're trying to uh, keep things from you or like we're trying to punish you by making you pay. We offer so much free content on social media and on YouTube and on the audio platforms. And we will always continue to do that as long as these tech companies allow us to. But it is so important to protect ourselves as much as we can from censorship. And then also just uh, it's something to give people who are willing to make that payment. And the content that we are going to put out this year is really, really good. So if you can, go ahead, subscribe to Blaze TV. And if we can figure out my promo code, you should definitely use that because it'll give you a little bit of a discount. And we'll put it in the description of uh, this episode. So that'll be out, like I said, in a couple weeks. Really, really good fascinating conversation that I'm excited for you to hear about. All right, before we get into some of the craziness of this day, I just wanted to give us a little bit of encouragement because I don't know if you guys are on X. If you're not on X, then good for you. Keep it that way. I would not I would not join now. Some of it is fun and redemptive and encouraging depending on what your algorithm is, but some of it is just a black pill every day. And that means that you are taking a heavy dose of pessimism and fear and paranoia and resentment on a daily basis. It doesn't have to be that way, but it can be that way. So if you do use it, you have to be extremely guarded uh, when it comes to the kind of content that you consume, which is why I regularly take days and even chunks of weeks off of even looking at X because I just can't stand it. But yesterday I did and I saw national security threat trending, which is not anything that you want to see. But there was a congressperson by the name of Mike Turner, a congressman who announced that there is a national security threat that America is facing, like an imminent one. Now, I think that we probably all feel like we are very vulnerable considering what's going on at the border, considering what's going on between Russia and Ukraine, considering what's going on in the Middle East and the role America is playing in all of that. I don't think there's any reason whatsoever that Americans should feel secure when we look at who is at the helm. We don't have a strong leader. In fact, we have leaders that actively hate America, resent America, think America is illegitimate, that it's not a place to be protected, that its citizens aren't people whose rights uh, need to be upheld, but rather they just exploit our productivity to enrich themselves and to fund their pet projects both here and abroad. And so I think we've all felt vulnerable. But then you see an announcement like this from a congressman. He's a Republican saying, look, we've got a national security threat. But then I saw a lot of the commentators, a lot of the uh, a lot of the analysis out there is saying we shouldn't take this seriously. This is something to stoke fear, to justify the fact that um, Congress just agreed to send 60 billion more dollars to Ukraine. And so they're using a threat like this. Some people are saying to uh, to fear monger about the threat of uh, the threat of Russia and a nuclear attack. And so they say, you know, a lot of people are saying that this is just a 
tactic to try to justify Congress's fiscal irresponsibility, foreign policy irresponsibility. And I'm not really sure. I don't know. Uh, Like I said, I certainly feel the vulnerability and the fear that comes just with having bad leaders. That's just how it goes. You feel very unstable. Things feel very tenuous and very chaotic. And that's never a good feeling. But especially as a parent, just thinking about what the world will look like in 10, 20 years for our children. And it can feel very helpless and very powerless, whether there is really a an imminent national security threat or not, it feels um, as if we are kind of on sinking sand. And that can be really scary. And sometimes I just sit here and I'm like, well, nothing I can do about it. Nothing I can do about it. What's for lunch? Because, I mean, really, we have no control over these things beyond voting for people that we hope will do the right thing. There's very little that we can actually do. So if you are feeling like that, if you are feeling out of control, if you are feeling powerless, if sometimes you are feeling hopeless, understand that there are times that I am right there with you. And I just want to bring you to a scripture that I often think about when it just feels like everything is out of control. And I so desperately want to have the power to rein things in myself and I just can't. I want to bring you to Psalm Two. A lot of you may be familiar with this. Why do the nations rage, the chapter starts, and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy Hill. Serve the Lord with fear, rejoice with trembling. Um, it just reminds me that God is in charge, that He sees all that's happening, that there is no earthly power that can outsmart Him, that can outstrategize Him, that can thwart His will, as Job 42 2 says, that nothing can thwart His will. And then I also Bring myself to Psalm 37, which starts, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And remember this. There's, I, I could read the whole chapter. I encourage you to read the whole chapter of Psalm 37 if you haven't recently. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. In the end, Jesus wins. He wins. And God's eternal plan of redemption is always going off without a hitch. He's never surprised. He's never taken aback. He's never thrown off. He knows everything that is happening, everything that is going to happen. He is not limited by time the way that we are. He's not wondering what's going to happen next. We serve a good and totally faithful God. And if you ever wonder how in the world can he allow evil to happen, how can he allow this destruction, this decay, this degeneracy to go on, I just want to remind you that he's not doing nothing. He's not doing nothing. In fact, he promises one day he will avenge his people. One day he will defeat Satan evil forever and we will have perfect peace and order and joy and goodness. And we can trust in that. We can trust in that. We can have hope in that. 
Uh, we can be joyful in that. It doesn't mean that we bury our head in the sand and we pretend like it doesn't matter because we read throughout scripture that the physical world does matter. The body matters. The material world matters. And we should care about the state of the world, um, how people are uh, being affected by politics and what goes on in the world. That is a way to love our neighbor, as we so often say. Um, but at the same time, we cannot operate in a sense of fear and paranoia. We have to operate with the joy and the trust that God is totally sovereign and good in that he will do something about all the evil and the wickedness and the sadness that we see today. He promises that. He is a God of victory. He's not just sitting back and doing nothing. He is active in unrolling his plan of redemption every second of every day, no matter what the headlines say. So I just wanted to remind not just you of that, but myself, myself too. I have to remind myself of that uh, very often because it's easy, as you can imagine, in this industry to just get so caught up in everything that's going on and uh, to be sad and to be so worried about not just the state of the world, but like I said, our future. But we do serve a really good God who put us all here, every single one of us, at the exact time in the exact place that he wanted to. We're not here arbitrarily or accidentally. We serve a God who does everything with very specific intention and purpose. Um, all right, before we get into some of the craziness that's going on, because we do have to know about it, because if we're called to do something about it, we need to be knowledgeable and prepared. But before we get into that, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Grand Canyon University. All right, we're talking about uh, preparing ourselves, but also preparing our children for the craziness of the world. And if you are looking for a university that is going to uh, help do that for your child, that's actually going to edify them, help them grow spiritually rather than filling their minds with all kinds of confusing and godless ideas, then you need to look at Grand Canyon University, a private Christian university in Phoenix, Arizona. They believe, as we do, that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. They also believe in equal opportunity. They believe in the American dream that starts with purpose. GCU equips its students to serve others in a way that promotes human flourishing and creates a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Of course, that is what the church has always done. And so GCU is helping its students do that. It's helping its students change the world for good by putting others before yourself to glorify God. So whether you're pursuing a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, a doctoral degree, uh, GCU's online on-campus hybrid uh, learning environments are designed to help you achieve your unique academic, personal, and professional goals. So check it out. Go to Grand Canyon University. It's private, Christian, and affordable. Go to gcu.edu, gcu.edu. Okay, I've been wanting to talk about this story for a, a couple weeks now and give my commentary on it. It's just important to know what is being taught to children, what's being taught to adolescents. Even if you do not have your kids in public school, it's important to know what your kids' peers are 
learning about sex, how they're thinking about their bodies, um, how they're thinking about relationships, how they're thinking about sexuality. This is going to prepare us as parents to talk to our kids about what is good and right and true about these things and when they're ready to help them combat the lies um, of secular sex education today. So it is important that we know what is happening in sex education across the country. If we're ignorant of this stuff, we might be naive and we might not be able to properly prepare our kids in just equipping them um, with biblical values when it comes to sex and body image and romance and all that stuff. So Planned Parenthood uh, is in charge of much sex education throughout the country. Now, you would think that people would see the obvious conflict of interest there. You've got an entity that makes money off of um, juvenile promiscuity, right? Uh, they make money off of teen pregnancy. If kids are getting pregnant, if kids are getting STDs, if kids are getting on birth control, they go to Planned Parenthood for those things. They get, go to Planned Parenthood for STD testing, go to Planned Parenthood for birth control, they go to Planned Parenthood for their abortions. And so Planned Parenthood actually has a vested interest in encouraging promiscuity, encouraging sexual perversion, because we know that the more degenerate, let's say, the sexual activity is, the more, uh, the riskier it is. And the more young people and people in general are probably going to rely on Planned Parenthood. And so Planned Parenthood going into schools, uh, talking to nine, 10-year-olds, and then middle schoolers, high schoolers about things like gay sex and everything that uh, is involved with that, talking to them about all different kinds of very explicit concepts that most young kids especially are not naturally thinking about themselves. Uh, they are introducing sexuality at a very early age in order to rob kids of innocence so they will be more likely to take part in behaviors that will land them in Planned Parenthood. They've got a very a clever and demonic cycle going. And so here is an example of the kind of sex education, if you can even call it that, that Planned Parenthood is offering to young people today. Let me cut to the chase. Virginity is a completely made up concept. It's a term that was created simply to control and shame people, mainly women. Mm. A virgin is someone who's never had sex, but it's not as simple as it seems. For one thing, medically, virginity isn't a real thing. Generally speaking, society tends to define sex in a very narrow way, penetration, penis into vagina. But where does that definition leave queer people or folks who can't or don't have penis and vagina sex? and choose to have oral, anal, or another type of sex instead. Okay, uh, I'm sure that you didn't want to hear all of that. But look, if 10 and 11-year-olds are hearing that kind of stuff, like we have to be able to stomach it as well because we need to know what is being said. And um, there are a lot of other parts of that video. Of course, you see the uh, you hear the cheery music in the background and her voice, which is very 
patronizing, obvious that she is talking to children and teaching children. This is absolutely targeted at children. And here's why I think it is so incredibly subversive to say something like virginity doesn't really exist. This is something that I have actually heard progressives say for a few years. There was this person who I think um, called herself like a progressive Christian a commentator a few years ago that I heard saying, oh, virginity is just a social construct of the patriarchy to try to control women. Here's why I think that is so absolutely dangerous. So progressives like to do this thing. They like to do this fun thing where they pretend that something that is concrete, uh, like sex, like virginity, male, female, are actually not concrete and objective at all, but are actually abstract and flexible. And the reason that they're doing that, I know that they say it's in the name of inclusion, but like a lot of things done in the name of inclusion, it's actually much more insidious than that. They do it to trivialize sex. If you can say that virginity is not real, then you have now belittled sex as something that is not important. They want kids to think that sex is no bigger deal than making out. What even is virginity? What even is sex? Is it just touching? Is it just, is it one kind of sexual act? Is it another kind of sexual act? By saying there's no such thing as virginity, you're basically putting all romantic physical con- contact into one category. So if you think that sex is no bigger deal than kissing or making out, you'll be more likely to do it. Uh, They want kids to think that virginity isn't real so that they'll never try to protect it. That's what's going on here. If you don't see your virginity, if you don't see your body, if you don't see your sexuality as something that is sacred, as something that is unique, as something that is worth protecting, then you are more likely at a younger age to try all kinds of sexual behaviors and experiences because it's basically nothing more than giving someone a fist bump. And you know what I think they really want? the people behind Planned Parenthood, the people who are authoring this kind of sex education, they want kids to be sexualized at an early age so that they will be more likely to be sexually confused and sexually promiscuous. Because again, people in both of these categories, the sexually confused people, the sexually promiscuous people, they make Planned Parenthood a lot of money. And they also are more likely to join the ranks of progressive activism. That's just the truth. Another thing that I forgot to mention earlier is that Planned Parenthood is also the number one distributor of hormone therapy, including for youth. And being introduced to sexual concepts at an early age That can also um, awaken desire for things like pornography or curiosity about pornography. That is absolutely, I don't care what anyone says, that is absolutely a gateway into gender confusion. Thinking that you are the opposite sex because you see that depicted online, you see it depicted in pornography, and plus being introduced to sexual concepts before your brain is ready for that, it messes up all kinds of wiring. 
It makes you more vulnerable to abuse. It makes you more vulnerable, again, to these kinds of degenerate and demonic narratives about gender fluidity. It all goes together. Progressives, again, take concepts that everyone, everyone knows what it means to be a virgin. You can try to play around with that definition to try to meet your ideological ends, but everyone knows what that means. Everyone knows what it means to be male or female. But then when we say, well, there's no real definition of these things, it all falls under their denial of the reality of objective truth, which then falls under their denial of the reality of God as the source of truth. If there is no God, really anything goes. If there is no God, then really we can all define things as we wish. If there is no God, then we can become gods. We can be the arbiters of truth. We can be the definers of morality. We can say that concrete and objective ideas are just flexible and subjective. And when we do that, we tear down the barriers that actually protect people from mature, explicit uh, content and behaviors like what is being presented by Planned Parenthood. Definitions are protective. Think about it in the definition of male and female. Defining male and female and then segregating spaces based on those definitions is protective of women. Um, Defining something like virginity, defining something like sex and saying, look, this is different. This is different than a handshake. This is different than making out. This is different than other kinds of physical contact. That is protecting children. That's protecting children by giving them the language to know when they have been sexually violated, when they have been molested, when they've been sexually abused. That gives them the language and the understanding to know what has been done to me is worse than someone, you know, pushing pushing me on the playground. This is serious. This is different. There's a reason why I feel worse about this. This is there's a reason why I feel ashamed of this. Really, you're gaslighting kids who have experienced sexual abuse by saying, "Oh, well, you know, did they really violate you in a way that is any different than someone just, you know, tripping you on the sidewalk?" Did you really lose your virginity to that person who raped you? I mean, it really does trivialize all of it. And it takes away any understanding of sexual abuse being worse and more serious than other kinds of abuse. And I know people who author this curriculum and who defend this curriculum, they would say, that's, you're just reaching. You're, no, no, it's called deductive reasoning. It's called just thinking a little bit. And I understand people who consume and actually believe this kind of propaganda, they are not prone to thinking. And actually they see like the, they see critical thinking and critical questions as like a violation of their belief system and something that is extremely traumatizing and offensive to them. But just think a little bit. Think a little bit about what it would mean to make these ideas of virginity and sex trivialized. Think about what that means for abuse victims. Think about what that means for kids who are trying to understand sex. Like Christianity, I know that it's typically knocked 
as, oh, it's just so prudish and it just gives uh, cover for abuse. Yeah, of course, unfortunately, there are awful, awful people, abusers who have used the guise of Christianity, who have used, misused, and manipulated Bible verses to abuse people within the church. That is absolutely true. But that's a deviation from and a perversion of the Bible. That is not abiding by the biblical sexual ethic. God, Christianity, cares so much about the body. It cares so much about sex. It cares so much about our sexuality that God, again, here come the definitions. He defined marriage and gave it parameters and said, within these parameters and within this definition is the only place to have safe and holy sex. And he does that for our protection. Yes, because it creates life and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but also because it's better for our bodies. It helps us avoid things like STDs. It's better for our hearts. It helps us avoid things like heartbreak. It is better for our families, for a husband and a wife to be attached together and to come together and to protect the children that they've created. God has created his sexual ethic for our good. And that is what we have the obligation as Christian parents to introduce our children to in a way that is age appropriate, in a way um, that tells them there's such thing as virginity, there's such thing as the sacredness, the uniqueness of sex. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I know some people hear that as shame. It's not. It's not. It's telling kids the truth. And by the way, kids do not need to be introduced to the concepts that you just heard in in the video. Kids do not. They don't. Like, and I, I know it can be a struggle as Christian parents. Like, do we talk to them about this stuff so that they at least know about it? Yeah, I think at the right age, you do. At the right age, you might need to talk about some of these things. But I think, especially for uh, for us parents who have young kids, we're not talking to them about this stuff. They don't need to know the bad and the ugly and the fake and the and the lies about the world in general, but particularly about sex the, sex in the body. They don't need to know that stuff yet. We are laying a foundation of what is good and right and true right now. That's as simple as, hey, Mommy, daddy, girls, boys, it's all good. God made it this way because this is how he created marriage. This is how he created families. This is how he created our bodies. And it's great to be a girl. It's great to be a boy. And these are distinct categories that we should celebrate. And God made us in his image. And so there are there are very simple ways to lay that foundation because kids really naturally notice those distinctions anyway and notice those categories anyway. And we are just emphasizing them and giving them a biblical foundation. The older they get, the more curious they get, the more influence they're getting from their friends, school, the outside world, the more um, specific I think parents should get. And I'm not saying this as an expert myself, obviously my kids are little, but um, from what I've learned and from what I've read, I 
think that that is the way to go. You lay the foundation first. The older they get, the more you have specific conversations with them about sex. But we do want to make sure that we as parents are the first ones um, to introduce these very sensitive topics to our children because whoever is the first to suggest something has the most authority. That's just how it goes. You do not want your kids, whether they go to a Christian school or a public school, like you don't want your kids to first hear about sex from their teacher or from the Planned Parenthood volunteer or employee who doesn't give a rip about them, doesn't care about their bodies, doesn't care about their sexual health, doesn't care whether they go down a path of gender confusion, gender deception that mutilates their bodies, doesn't care about their relationships, doesn't care about their future fertility, doesn't care whether they have a family or not. These The teachers, even if they're great teachers and these Planned Parenthood activists, I'm sorry, they do not care about your kids the way that you care about your kids. Your kids are yours to steward. They're not theirs to steward. You care about their best interest. They don't. So we have such a responsibility to teach our kids what is true and what is beautiful about sex and about the human body and about gender. If we don't, someone else will. Remember, everyone is trying to disciple your kid. Everyone is trying to disciple them. The question is, is it going to be you that takes authority in that discipleship? Is it going to be TikTok? Is it going to be Tumblr? Is it going to be Reddit? Is it going to be their teacher? Um, it's going to be their friends. Everyone is trying to get to the mind and heart and soul of your child. Certainly Satan is. Um, and really we've seen that deceptive nature of Satan since the beginning. And he's, when you look throughout history at just how children have been preyed upon, um, you can see that he has it out for them. And which is why it is so interesting that God, in his plan of redemption, actually used a baby to bring victory over, uh, over Satan to the world. So that's interesting. Um, and again, God will defeat all of this one day, once and for all. But it's important for us until then to make sure that we are pushing back on it and that we are equipping our kids as best we can to defend against this absolute nastiness. Um, all right, let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Preborn. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? This Valentine's week, you can share heartbeats. A heartbeat is a baby's only defense in the womb. At five weeks, a baby's heartbeat can be heard on ultrasound, and that is where Preborn steps in. It rescues 200 babies every day at their network of clinics across the country. They rescue them from abortion simply by providing a mother with a free ultrasound and allowing her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. It's amazing. And we just need moms to see this life inside the womb. So often when they actually see and hear that beating heart, they change their mind if they were abortion-minded. For just $28, you can be the difference between life and death for a baby. That's how much it costs for preborn to offer ultrasounds. So if you go to preborn.com slash baby, 
You can donate that $28 or however much you can. Every little bit helps. Um, you can consider a leadership gift to save babies in a big way. Your tax-deductible uh, donation of $5,000 will sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours, helping to rescue 200 baby. So if you're able to do that, if God has blessed you with the means to do that, then go ahead and go to preborn.com slash Allie. Make that donation, but anything you can do helps. Go to preborn.com slash Allie. Okay, now here's some good news. Uh, here is an effort to actually protect children. There was uh, your effort to prey upon children. Planned Parenthood has always done that. If they can't kill your baby inside the womb, they're going to try to ruin them in some other way. They're just a bloodthirsty organization. Again, a Christian can't, you just can't vote Democrat. You just can't. Democrat is the Democrats are the party of Planned Parenthood. They love Planned Parenthood. You're not going to find a Democrat who speaks out against Planned Parenthood. So I like how in the world could a Christian ever vote for the party that supports Planned Parenthood? They're literally in the business of mutilating kids' bodies in one way or the other. Like literally in the business of the most grotesque and barbaric child sacrifice that we've ever seen. Just as violent and grotesque as the Aztecs. And I mean, Christians have always throughout history stood against at the very least child sacrifice. And yet you have nuanced Christians today being like, well, um, you know, I'm not so sure if Christians should stand against child sacrifice today. This There might be a morally uh, equivalent topic on the other side, like putting up the border wall. Gosh, people are so stupid. Anyway, let's look at this one good development. Idaho House bill, death penalty for heinous crimes against young children. Yes, I love to see it. Now, I know that some of you out there, I understand you're against the death penalty, and I think that there is a conversation and debate to be had about whether the how the death penalty is executed, no pun intended, in the United States um, is just, like, is our process correct? Like, I would argue that through a fair and impartial process, when someone is given due process and they are proven guilty, um, then uh, then yes, I think that the death penalty is in order for certain crimes. Now, of course, for capital punishment, I would also say for other heinous crimes like rape. Now, the Supreme Court said that you can't give someone the death penalty for rape. And so that's what's happening right now. But we know that Florida passed a law last year um, saying that the death penalty is on the table for the rape of children under the age of 12. And now Idaho is doing something similar. Here's an Idaho House bill, death penalty for heinous crimes against young children. On Tuesday, the Idaho House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed a bill that would give the death penalty for individuals convicted of certain sex crimes against preteen children. The House approved the bill in a 56 to 12 vote. I would love to know who the 12 are that would be again something like that representative um bruce skog uh who co-sponsored the bill along with rep josh tanner they're both republicans said that house bill 515 is designed to give the steepest penalty to the most heinous crimes committed against children 11 years of age or younger here's what it says if the minor child is under 12 years of age such person shall be subject to the provisions 
of section blah, 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 punished by death or by imprisonment for life, provided that a sentence of death shall not be imposed unless the prosecuting attorney filed written notice of intent to seek the death penalty as required. Um, So anyway, I don't need to read the rest of it. It's just kind of legalese, but you understand the idea. The bill's co-sponsors say their hope is that the Supreme Court will review the Idaho bill if it becomes law and therefore issue a ruling that would expand the eligibility for the death penalty. And so states like Idaho and Florida are both, they're trying to do the same thing. They understand um, that the Supreme Court held in Kennedy v. Louisiana in 2008 in a 5-4 decision that the death penalty cannot be on the table for these kinds of heinous crimes. But what they're trying to do is to change that. It's the same thing that happened with Dobbs' decision overturning Roe v. Wade. You had states, uh, this was the state of Mississippi when it came to the Dobbs' decision, trying to pass an abortion ban at 15 weeks, hoping that it would make its way to the Supreme Court to overturn something like Roe v. Wade. And so that's what states like Idaho and Florida are trying to do now. They are passing these laws knowing that as of right now, the Supreme Court has ruled them unconstitutional, but they're hoping with the current makeup of the Supreme Court that that could change. That would absolutely be a positive development for justice in this country, 100%. I personally think that the death penalty should be used much more consistently when it comes to heinous crimes. Obviously not for everything, but 100% when it comes to capital murder, 100% when it comes to raping children. Can you give me a good reason why it shouldn't be? And I understand you're like, oh, the state gets it wrong and we shouldn't give the state that power, but God has given the state that power. God has given the government that power. That's what Romans 13 says. The state does not wield the sword in vain. The sword is not really, uh, it's not a metaphor I mean, it might be a symbol, but it's not a, it's not a metaphor for punishment. It is a symbol of uh, punishment by execution. The state does have that authority. It is not murder. I know some people, they point to the Ten Commandments and they say, thou shalt not murder, therefore you shouldn't have the death penalty. Well, no, not all killing is murder. Killing for self-defense isn't murder. Killing for death penalty uh, is not murder. Much of killing within war is not considered murder. And we see that, of course, if you allow Scripture to interpret Scripture, then you could just go back to Genesis 9-6, before the establishment of Israel, where God demands, doesn't just suggest or say this is on the table, demands death penalty for murder. Um, Because why? Uh, A fact that is still true today, because man is made in God's image. So rather than seeing it as, oh, this is so, the death penalty is so cruel, it's so merciless. No, you should see it as merciful. You should see it as compassionate, that gosh, God cares about human beings so much that he finds murder so egregious because we are so special. We are so valuable as made in his image that the only just punishment for something like premeditated murder is that the person dies. That is how much God cares about us. And yes, there are some instances throughout scripture of God sparing people uh, from the death penalty when they deserve the death penalty. Moses, David, those are some examples. But the exceptions that God makes in his providence does not mean that we should give exceptions to everyone. It would absolutely be a safer and a more just country if we consistently applied the death penalty and quickly um, in heinous in heinous cases like this. Um, and I, th- by the way, these laws are not saying that 
okay, a child who was raped at the age of 13, that they don't deserve as much protection as children under the age of 12. I don't know exactly why they pick the age that they do. Um, I would assume it's for political reasons. Um, it might have something to do with what can make it to the Supreme Court. But I think also the younger you make it, the more egregious it looks for the Democrats who oppose it. So if you say that a Democrat is not for the death penalty when it comes to, I'm sorry, this is very disturbing to even say, but this is what we're talking about. So just a heads up. Um, a Democrat who says, no, I'm not for the death penalty for raping a six-year-old, like that's really, really disgusting and disturbing and evil. And so this does allow the political uh, opportunity for Republicans to point to their opponents and say, look, they won't even get on board with a law that would protect young children from this kind of from this kind of thing. So uh, Florida right now, prosecutors are seeking the first death sentence under their new law. Um they were seeking it, and now they are seeking uh, to sentence the accused man to life in prison. And of course, I would be happy to for this person to stay in prison forever, but I absolutely think it would be uh, just for this person who very disgustingly abused a young boy to also get uh, the death penalty. So we'll see about the first case that is going to push something like this to the Supreme Court. This would be an interesting development. And gosh, I can't even imagine like what the debates and the discussions will be on this online. But again, I would be absolutely for a change from the Supreme Court for expanding the death penalty to cases of child rape. Absolutely. I don't think that there is any good argument against it. Um, okay. Oh, uh, let's see. Well, we're already at about 45 minutes, but I got a couple more things to talk about. So let's just go ahead and get through it. The weeks that we have two, um, two interviews, sometimes we have at least one of the episodes is longer because we have so much stuff that we want to get through. But let me pause. Let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And they offer dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you are making, you are sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, our military veterans and first responders. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service team that makes switching really easy. Plus, you can get free activation when you use the offer code Allie. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. Okay, let's just check in on how the church is doing. Okay, so that's what's happening in the world. That's what's happening outside of the church. Let's just see what the church's priorities are. Are. Um, this is a this is a video of Crossroads Church in Cincinnati. It's a multi-site interdenominational church that boasts a weekly congregation of roughly thirty-four thousand. Um, and of course, because this past Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday, we had to uh, punt a Bible off the stage. Would you like to kick or receive the Bible? I will receive. Tom wins the toss, chooses to receive the Bible. Patterson back with the kick. 
Oh my goodness! Whoa. Is that a touchback? Okay. Okay. This is Sunday morning, Brie. This is Sunday morning. What's happening? Yes, it was. Okay. Is it was that a woman who did the punting? Yeah, that's that's, that's the pastor, pastor Alley. Oh, Pastor Allie Patterson mm-hmm. sported football jerseys. Okay, and the other pastor, senior pastor Brian Tome, sported football jerseys as they took the stage for a pre-game coin flip. She literally kicked the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god! I thought goodness. that would be just like a cute little Super Bowl thing, I guess. Okay, mm. like the so I'm not into like I know that the Bible, the physical Bible, is an object but there should be some reverence and some like sacredness when it comes to how we treat it right yeah i mean besides the fact that this is just all a big distraction yeah that no one's hearing the god you're like wasting time there are souls sitting in your congregation some of whom are bound to hell if they died right then from a heart attack on the way home they could die and go to hell and you are wasting precious seconds that you have in front of them punting a Bible <laughs> off the stage. Mm-hmm. I know. I thought it was really interesting, their <laughs> explanation of their service this day, because you were probably about to get to this, but they say one of the reasons we did this was because we believe church should be fun. And secondly, we believe there are spiritual truths that we can communicate through this. I'm like, secondly, okay. <laughs> First is fun. Secondly, biblical truths. Okay. And also, what biblical truths? Okay. We believe that there are spiritual truths and, and realities that can be drawn out from sports. And that's what each of our teachers are going to be doing. Is, but whatever. <laughs> is going to be doing today. Um, okay. This is, I really just loathe when churches decide that the Bible is insufficient. The Bible is just not enough that we need games. We need bread and circus. We need silliness. We need zaniness in order to entertain people, in order to serve people. No, it's not true. Look, you can be funny. You can be creative. You can be dynamic within your sermon and still stick to the word of God. You are not providing people with needed spiritual truth uh, through you punting the Bible. Let's try reading it. Ooh, how about that? Let's try reading the Bible. Let's try preaching from the Bible. Oh my, oh my goodness. This is so embarrassing. This is so shameful. And maybe this is part of why we are in the place that we are as a country. Why we're even having the debates in the countries or the debates and the, um, let me say that again. Maybe this is part of why we are where we are as a country. Like maybe this is why we are even having the debates and the discussions that we are because the church is so occupied by things that don't matter. Like we're so distracted. We're so addicted to entertainment and to our most superficial cravings being satiated. And uh, we are so used to having to be, uh, having to consume content that matches like our eight second attention span that we can't 
be thoughtful about things. Like we can't take things seriously. And my gosh, we certainly don't know what the Bible has to say about things. We don't know the history of the church. We don't know the church's historic responsibility to be this refuge of clarity and truth and strength and peace and a chaotic and confused and deceived world. We see ourselves as just consumers, as audience members, as people to be advertised to and entertained rather than participants in Christ's body and Christ's church. And these pastors don't see themselves, I guess, as shepherds. They're very somber and sober and holy calling to protect their flock from wolves and to lead their flock in a way that allows them to flourish. This is allowing your flock to be completely vulnerable to deceit because you are doing nothing to protect or equip them. And I know people are going to say, well, you didn't see the whole sermon. You weren't there. That's enough. It's enough for me. That's enough. That's all I have to see. If I ever walked into a church and saw something like that, I would be walking right back out. I don't care how good their kids' ministry is. I know that they probably have nice classes and and different outreach programs and all of that. And they have really good coffee that is in the, you know, that is outside the sanctuary. That's not good enough. It's not good enough. If you are not going to a church that seriously handles the word of God, that is exegeting scripture, which can take a long time, by the way, that can take your entire service and that is singing worship songs that are based directly in scripture, then you need to find another church. I know it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to think that you're just going in to watch a performance every week, but that's not what church is. If you don't have a pastor that is equipping you and that is infusing in you a love for scripture and what God's word says about everything, um, then you need to switch churches. You need to switch churches. Mm, gosh, hate to see it. Absolutely hate to see it. Oh, we got some more. We got some more. Uh, Garth Brooks. What? Garth Brooks. He is singing. Okay, this is Crossroads Church. Where's Crossroads Church? Bree, do you know? This is the same service, oh, this actually. Is this, oh, this is the same, the same, same service. day? <laughs> yeah, this is the halftime show of their service wait garth brooks is actually there or this no, is no. just his song <laughs> they, they just sang his song the worship pastor sang his song and miley cyrus song <sighs> okay let's see I am like very angry. I'm very angry at this. I really am. I mean, so what a waste of time and a waste of opportunity. If you say you were someone who you were like, I just hit rock bottom and I don't know what to do, but I guess I'm going to go to church because I don't know where else to go. You walk in there, you're like, I'm just looking for hope. I'm just looking for truth and I'm just looking for direction. And you walk in and you see this. I know. What? What a wasted opportunity. I 100% believe that if Jesus were to walk in to a sermon like that, he'd be flipping tables left and right. Yeah. I mean, this is 
you are making God's house into a den of robbers, I think. It's equivalent to that. This is all about you. This is narcissism on display. You are taking advantage of the fact that you have an audience in front of you and you want to act a fool because you want attention. Yeah. There's no justification for this. If you're just listening to this, not only are they singing Garth Brooks, uh, where the whiskey flows and the beer chases my blues away. Okay. Got some problems with that. And not just because I'm Baptist. But also, you've got this person jumping on a wrecking ball, dressed in a referee costume. This is happening in the United States. And my Catholic friends are watching this, be like, this is why the Protestant Reformation was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. This is disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. And uh, I'm sad about it. I'm I'm sad. I, I want... I just, they would get the message if everyone in that congregation got up, walked out, and actually went to a Bible-believing church. But unfortunately, we just want our appetite satisfied. And it's really, gosh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that vengeance is also coming for fake churches like this. Have people ever read Revelation and what Jesus has to say to the various churches in Revelation? I would not be I would not be so confident. If I were a pastor okay with this, I would not be confident in your standing before the Lord. I would not be confident in your salvation, quite honestly, because the Holy Spirit is one spirit. He does not convict everyone differently. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, then he would be convicting you while you're watching this and you would be looking at this saying, "Wow, this is we've somehow gone astray and I am going to repent and I'm going to go back to the basics and I'm going to go back to the Bible. I would seriously, seriously question your own personal salvation if you are okay with something like this. That's not me judging. I can't judge anyone's heart. I don't have that ability. And we all we all make mistakes. And so maybe it's just a temporary delusion that you have in your mind, which again, would need to be prayed about and repented of. But I would really, really be digging deep and asking the Lord to search your heart if you see something like that. And you're like, yeah, that's great. That's what church is for. Oh, if that does not make you sick to your stomach, I would say that that's an issue. All right. Let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. And that is Jace Medical. I don't have to tell you that things are crazy. Things are unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen this year. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen in the coming years, but, you know, in election year, things are things are crazy. And we've already seen some drug shortages. We know that we've had supply chain issues for the past several years that have made things a lot more difficult. And it is sometimes difficult to get the medication that you are prescribed because of these supply chain issues. Drug shortages last year were really bad. You don't want to run into that problem with your family, especially if things really hit the fan. You want to make sure that you have a year-long supply of common antibiotics in case you need them. You want to have a year-long supply of the prescription medications that you and your family take on a daily basis just to make sure that you have them better to be safe than sorry. That's why Jace Medical exists. Jace Medical uh, takes you through a, uh, a confidential telemedicine process to get you those medications so you have them if you need them. Go to jacemedical.com. You can use code Allie at checkout for a discount. That's jacemedical.com, code Allie. All right. I did just want to make sure that I mentioned this horrible story. I hate when I have to do this twice 
in in one week. We had to talk about the Lakewood, um, the Lakewood story, the story out of Houston of Joel Osteen's church. There was a shooting there. There's a, a woman who apparently identified as transgender. She had free Palestine on her gun. She went in there with an AR-15, tried to shoot a bunch of people. And the little boy that she had brought in was in critical condition. And thank the Lord again for law enforcement, though, um, that no one else was killed and that uh, they shot and killed her. Just an awful, awful story. A lot of layers there, again, that I think need to be uncovered when it comes to her past interactions with the law. Also, if she was on hormones, the ideology that was very obviously motivating her. And the story is probably going to drop from the news because, again, the uh, the narrative that it's just white male right-wing extremists that are inflicting violence. It can't be pushed here. This was a Hispanic woman that, by the way, she when you look at her record, though, she was put in as white, non-Hispanic. That's a whole other episode for another day that is very common when it comes to our justice system and the logs that are online calling everyone white who is either Hispanic or black. Again, whole other conversation to be had about that. Um, So that happened earlier this week. We talked about that. And now there's another story. Again, it doesn't fit that narrative. And so it's probably not going to be circulated quite as much when it comes to the mainstream media. But it still matters because there were people that were injured and killed. Uh, There's a shooting near the Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. Uh, One person has died and 21 people are injured, including several children. The Kansas City, Missouri Police Department responded to a deadly shooting near the Chiefs Super Bowl celebration parade minutes after the event concluded on February 14th. Uh, The victim who died was a DJ on the local radio station KKFI. Uh, Her name is or was Lisa Lopez Galvin. Gosh, so so sad. Uh, three individuals have been taken into custody uh, for investigation. And uh, some of you have reached out to me. You were there or you have friends that were there and you wanted to make sure that I emphasized just the bravery of law enforcement, that they ran directly into the fire, directly towards the shooting um, to try to protect as many lives as possible. And thank God for that. Thank God. I mean, how many more lives would be lost if we defunded the police the way so many cities shamefully are? So once again, just like in Houston, Texas, so, so thankful for brave law enforcement um, who protect innocent people. Um, again, this is not probably going to make the make the mainstream media rounds as much as it should because it looks like the suspects are all black. And now that's not something that's important to me and really shouldn't be important. But uh, when it's white men, that's the only thing that's emphasized about, you know, white supremacy and white right-wing extremists. We're supposed to believe that that is the biggest threat of violence in this country. And there is literally no data to back that up. There is no truth to that claim whatsoever. Um, Actually, mass shootings are extremely ethnically diverse, if not disproportionately non-white, depending on your definition of a mass shooting. When you include gang shootings in that, this idea that it's exclusively or even predominantly like white men inflicting this kind of violence just isn't true. 
And because the truth matters, we have to push back against those kinds of those kinds of narratives. Again, I'm not trying to emphasize race to make any point other than it doesn't fit the mainstream narrative. And so you're not going to see as much talk about this story. I don't know what the motives are uh, for these men deciding to shoot up uh, this parade. It reminds me of the Waukesha parade, the Christmas parade that happened a few years ago. Again, that certainly didn't fit the narrative because it was a black man who decided to take his car and ram down a bunch of grandmas and children and killed six people. I mean, one of the deadliest terrorist attacks we've had in this country and you probably forgot about it because it's talked about so rarely. Um, So prayers for uh, Kansas City, prayers for everyone affected by this. Gosh, it is so so tragic. And almost all of these people have criminal records and should have been in jail for a very long time before this. I even, I especially think about Houston. I don't know exactly what her record is, but the prosecutors and the judges in Houston are so extremely liberal and are known for being soft on crime, especially when it comes to non-white suspects or perps. And um, that is part of why they're so much violence in these Democrat cities, because in the name of social justice, in the name of racial equity, they allow people to walk who should be in prison for a very long time. And then because of that, people die. So social justice kills. I've, I've said that many times and um, it's unfortunate. So every step we take towards justice, like some of the ones we we're talking about today, I am going to celebrate because uh, an orderly society is necessary to have liberty. Order is necessary for liberty. You cannot have liberty without order. In fact, the more chaos there is, the more anarchy there is, the more likely people are to support tyranny. So it's a scary direction. It's a scary direction. But we do remember, as we said on the top of the show, that God is in charge. He's totally in charge. And he has numbered each of our days before any of them came to be. Same with our children. Same with our children's children. So we can rest in that and simply do the next right thing while also doing everything that we can to make the world around us better and safer and more orderly, being agents of God's order. All right. That's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back here on Monday. 